got friends, only wanna talk business. I got expensive, the wind is expensive. I got expensive, the wind is expensive. I've been reading all the work. And I've been shutting out the stars. Yeah, cause when it rain, then it pours. Yeah, and I'm ready for some more. Yeah, and I've been reading all the work. Hey, Kevin Hill, what's up, my man? Not much, just sitting here feeling a little bit of anxiety and wondering where my happiness is today in cells. How about yourself? I just found my happiness because I got video on LinkedIn, man. We got we got the comments up, so feel free to join us, comment along. Uh, and thank you to Jonathan Smith for fixing that for us. We really appreciate it because today is a really big episode. Kevin Hill and I are going to be talking about the thing that we often neglect the most ourselves, right, Kevin? That's exactly right. You know, how do you find, you know, how do you find yourself? How do you find your happiness? How do you find your purpose? <laughs> and where do you live your life in the moment, in the future, in the past? It's all kinds. Uh, it's all that mental health questions and and really life questions that, that everyone has. I'm super excited, too, because Stan Duncan, he's a commenter. We read his comments all of the time, and we We've loved his insight. He's always has this cognitive sales selling approach. He he helped sort of inspire mm-hmm. this episode for us to do it, and we couldn't think of a better guest than than Stan Duncan. He's senior recruiter over at Tallgrass Freight Company, so we will invite him on. Uh, Kevin, I have two things that made me happy, though. You know what they are? I do not know what they are. Why don't you share? Okay, one of them was due to you. You told me all about the match, right? And I don't, I don't. My dad's a big golf fan, but I never grew up being big into golf. But uh, we're all thirsting for sports, so I caught the match with uh, with Peyton and Tiger Woods and Tom Brady and Phil Mickelson, and it was fascinating, man. I think that they should. Uh, we were talking about this a little bit before we we went on air, but I think that some of these these changes that we have had to do, especially in production, just by nature of limitations, have created some great innovations. Like the way that game was shot, with everyone being mic'd up, being inside the golf carts, hearing the coaching that Mickelson was doing to Brady, all that stuff just fascinating, really brought me into the game. It it is really fascinating. I'd like to see the PGA Tour get mic'd up, at least a a few players and their caddies, and and go through their decision-making, why they're they're taking this shot, why they're not. And also, I want to hear more trash-talking, too. I mean, the trash-talking on the match was was phenomenal. It kept me tuned in. And and then their thought processes uh, and coaching, you know, coaching Peyton and Tom Brady of how to hit the shot, uh, you know, what distance you are, and kind of their, their whole thought process. I, it's just a nice inside inside golf type of uh, of thematic. Amanda Miller says, oh, my God, the match was so awesome. Yeah, we agree. Lisa Petty says, good morning. Uh, Chris Jolly says, good morning, everyone. Looking forward to today's episode. Pablo Marillo says, good morning. What do you think about international logistics nowadays? That's a different show for a different day. And uh, Teresa Knott says, good morning. Uh, Pablo should probably check out the midday market update starting Thursday at noon, right? It'll be every Tuesday and Thursday. Mm-hmm. You and Michael Vincent will talk all about that stuff. This is a show about about sales and about, about freight and about well-being. So probably not going to talk too much about market conditions. So if you're here for that, we're sorry. This is not that episode. Uh, so second thing, is, second thing that made me happy. It is not. Uh, Tales from the quarantine. So my kid, like he's a five-year-old, a five-year-old and three-year-old. And because I, I am at home in lockdown and, and I'm stuck with them, they, they're they pretty rambunctious, right? The terrible threes and then the, the five-year-old. So the five-year-old's <laughs> gotten really into Legos. And he recently built a like 800-piece Hogwarts all on his own. And then he took apart all his other Lego sets and rebuilt them. So we were watching this unboxing video on YouTube of the Lego Star Wars Death Star and it said ages 14 plus on the box. And he, he goes, hey, do you think when I get older, I will be able to build that? And I was thinking long and hard on this, you know, but 
in the instant instantaneous uh i don't know stew of my mind but i was like you know what if i say yes i'm kind of putting a limit on him you know so i was like no i think you can build it now and my wife kind of panicked and like raced to to change the ebay password but i got him the lego star wars death star 4016 pieces and i gave it to him to build and in five days he built the whole damn thing himself he needed a little help with like brick separation but he did all of Mm -hmm. the bricklaying he did uh the whole thing there took him five days he spent this kid like just grinded it down he spent like eight or nine hours a day building the damn thing and if you're watching the video version i think there's a picture of it right now but i thought that was i thought that was super cool and it made me think about sales a little bit and and just adulthood and growing up and how many times teachers and authority figures have said things and even our own parents that limit us because they tell us that there's some sort of invisible barrier and we can't do something well goddamn that i don't believe that at all if you can do something test your own boundaries test your own limits so god bless you ronan you did an awesome job building that that star that was an awesome job. It was. It was a, it was a great picture that, that you have up here on, on video. And I agree with you wholeheartedly, wholeheartedly on that. You know, the thing that I was told growing up by everyone, teachers, parents, everything, the world needs ditch diggers too. But that's not true. <laughs> yeah. It's not true. You can make life whatever you want. But that's what everyone told me. Well, the world yeah. needs brick builders too, and that that little Lego yeah, they, they master need brick did it. Builders. So they, need, they need people to 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 do the menial stuff, and you're perfect for that, Kevin. You know who uh, builds bricks? This episode is brought to you by Truckstop.com, building the bricks of the the back end of freight, the world's most trusted load board. Want to find the best carriers at the best rates? Of course you do, Kevin Hill. You want to see market data, build relationships, and grow your business with Truckstop.com? Visit Truckstop.com today for more information. And uh, Kevin, should we do some quotes? We should do some quotes. Oh. I think you have the first one. Yes. Okay. I got a good one. Castaway is, uh, is I think, a great sales movie as well. It's, it's about being on an island and uh, salespeople can often feel that way. And, and those of us working remotely probably feel like we're on our own islands too. We do have our, our portal to the world with Zoom conferencing and all that. But I think Castaway just really shows the internal struggle that people can have when they're left to their own thoughts. And, and here is one that is, I know what I have to do now. I've got to keep breathing because tomorrow the sun will rise. Who knows what the tide could bring? And that is Chuck from Castaway. He has to keep himself moving forward just to survive mm-hmm. you do you, you have to always keep moving forward mo- moving forward doing things to set yourself up for success because you never know what's going to happen and a lot of times uh, you know people talk about luck you create your own luck in life it's uh, by your actions you put yourself in in positions where you can get lucky or you put yourself in positions where you can get very unlucky and it's all really up to you yeah. Should we act out the quote that you did here? Do you want to take uh, Curly? Uh, yeah. Let's, uh, you should have worn your cowboy hat today. You could have well, been Jack Palance. Hard with the headphones. Uh, curly. But, yeah, true. Uh, but, yeah, I'll be, uh, I'll be Jack Palance or, or Curly, and you can be Billy Crystal or Mitch. This is from City Slickers. It's, it's one of my favorite movies. It's early 90s. It, it, I always remember this quote and this episode of Put That Coffee Down. Really, I started thinking about it, and I went online, you know, Amazon Prime, bought City Slickers. I think it was like $6 and, and watched it again. It, it still resonates with me. Uh, but here we go. <laughs> Curly, Jack Palance. Do you know what the secret of life is? Do you know what the secret of life is? Are you supposed to hold up a finger and go this? Oh, no. Well, Have you ever read a script before, Kevin? Oh, yeah. I, yeah. Uh, okay. You don't oh, read the bad. characters' names. You, know you just the read the dialogue is? in the stage here directions. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Did you say that? <laughs> Let's just start over. Oh, yes. Okay. Do you know what the secret of life is? 
I got my finger up now. I know, and you're supposed to say this. <laughs> oh, this. Yeah, I, I, I guess so, yeah. Do you know what the secret of life is? This. Your finger? One thing. Just one thing. You stick to that, and the rest don't mean... Uh, S. There you go. Yes. Uh, there but, we go. But what is that one thing? That's what you have to find out. Okay. You you did not get the part this time, Kevin Hill, but uh, a great I, I quote anyway, nonetheless. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so we put up this topic, happiness and mental health and sales. Got a couple comments. Ryan Shriver said, I absolutely love this topic. He said, mental health is so important and investments in ourselves is just so critical and lacks a focused conversation to highlight it. I'm hugely guilty of not focusing on myself enough for a healthy perspective. I was for a very long time, too, and still fall into those negative habits at times. James says, great topic, and you got the right person in Stan Duncan. Chris Jolly, looking forward to it. Christopher Martinez says, I think it's interesting that most of you exercise to escape. Now, I don't think that that was that interesting, but a little spoiler alert, we did do a survey, and uh, exercise was a big topic on there uh, that people were using to escape, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's his... It's what I, I think most people, you know, take a walk, take a hike, uh, work out. A, a lot of people do that to escape, uh, you know, basically get their thoughts right. And, and I do it as well. Right? I, I can walk over the bridge to, to work here and clear my head and, and get straight for the day. Now, we've talked about this before, and I, and I have my, my own journey in 2016. I went into I went into a dual diagnosis facility in Massachusetts Uh Actually, if you've ever seen Girl Interrupted, it's the same building that that was uh, the same place that that was based off of, although it was not nearly as horrific as, as Girl Interrupted. But I used to have a therapist there and he would always say he'd always start every morning with with what are you sitting with? Really simple thing. But what are you sitting with? Making you think about what you're feeling at that time during the day. Right. Mm-hmm. So let's talk about anxiety and depression. Right. First, I think it's important to note that it isn't something you can cure. It's something that, that I have lived with. You can, you can overcome it. You can welcome it. You can accept it. You can build yourself based on being aware of it. But the most important thing is you need to create habits to keep the beast at bay. Yeah, you, you can't really defeat anxiety and fear. They're, they're always there. It's basically one of those senses or one of those emotions that, 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 that keep you alive, that, that it reminds you that you are a living, breathing individual human but as you said there are techniques there's ways to to put that at bay to not feed the beast to uh to 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 really just just shove it shove it down a little bit and that's what i do and i I think that's uh we probably have the same method you know A, a lot of it comes from being out of control right the fear anxiety creeps in when you feel like you don't have control in your situation uh, but if you just focus on things you control and don't even think about things you can't control, that helps, helps me out quite a bit. Eric Serta, he, uh, he messaged me earlier and said that he didn't like the way I read his voice last time, and he requested that I do Macho Man. So, Eric Serta, here you go. I think exercise does more than help escape. I think much clearer, and I'm way more focused when I've exercised a few days in a row. So there he goes. He also said his son... Uh, is big into Legos, and he is a big problem solver. Nicole Barrett says, hello, I'm late. Hope you guys are well. We do as well. Thanks for joining us. John Piper's here here as well. He's building a uh, a new studio in his house, a little TV studio, Kevin, and uh, I'm mm-hmm. excited to check that out. By the way, shout out to Scott Luton, too. He had me on the show yesterday. Really enjoyed that one with him and Greg White and their lovely wife, uh, Amanda, Amanda Luton. Uh, you mentioned focus. Yeah, so focus. When, when we're talking about, about focus, right, and controlling focus, that's talking about 
about uh, focusing on the on the inputs, right? Things that lead to success. For sales, this can apply in a number of ways from how you frame the day to how you align your thinking and what you do while executing, right? So making sales calls, how long you listen to people, uh, how long you listen to them for, making the entry into your CRM, making the connection on LinkedIn, sending the in-mail, taking an interest in your prospects. Those are all things you can control because you can't control the final outcome. You can't control that no. You can't control the no. You can influence the no, right? And and that's getting better at the, those those uh, pieces of the puzzle that, that you laid out or those Lego building blocks that, that you laid out, things that you can't control. And what you can't control, just get better and better at that. And I, I go back to prospecting. The, the bigger your funnel is, uh, the, the more in control you are. So if someone says, no, that's okay. I, I got five, six other people. I, all I need is one yesterday or one yes this week or whatever that timeline is. And having a big enough funnel to, to, to be in control. And and you can control that activity to put new leads into your funnel. I think that what you're saying here, too, is that you got to lessen the value of the things that you can't control. Don't let them have so much mm-hmm. power over you. And instead, focus on the things that you can do. Because focusing on things you can't control creates inaction, like, uh, like dropping something while you're sitting at a desk. <laughs> it, it is. Yes. I, I don't know what exactly I dropped. I dropped something that made a loud noise. I, if it matters, we'll uh, find it later. Uh, hey, Robert Waldring. Yeah, yeah. Robert Waldring is a professor at Harvard, and he has been studying lifelong happiness nearly his entire life and academically his whole career. Waldinger came up came to one major conclusion from his seventy five years of studying. From the 75 years, I don't think he's been doing it for 75 years, but, but from, from, stu- from 75 years of studies, studying 70, 725 different men, that good lives come from good relationships. It's something we stress on here all the time is networking and forming those right relationships. And uh, when those men didn't have st- and women didn't have strong relationships and couldn't count on others for support, their health declined and they were less motivated to continue pursuing a successful career, almost creating your own sense of solitary confinement. You're exactly right. We are uh, social beings. Human beings are social beings, and and it's maybe one of the most important things that, that we desire is social relationships. And and having those strong relationships, have a great network, being around great people, uh, all of those feeds into success. Jonathan Payne says, getting out of our comfort zones is crucial in our development, and taking the path of least resistance softens us over time. Love Dooner's Lego example of not letting the box limit us. Yeah, exactly. They're not real boundaries, right? They're not, they're not real. Uh, you're not going to go to jail for breaking the 14 plus law, or, or if your manager says, you know, you can only write X amount of business or make X number of calls or whatever limitation someone's putting on you. To me, that's usually a challenge. Well, let's see if we can do it. Let's see if we can do it. Yeah, I mean, it's a really good point. When I started my business, I had something written on a whiteboard. I wanted to be in over my head every single day. And you, you're in a constant state of fear and anxiety because you're trying new things. But like anything else in life, you know, we're talking about the golf match. The more you practice it, the, the more tools you have to defeat it, uh, you know, you're just used to it in that state of being in every head, being in awkward situations that you're very comfortable in being in awkward positions or doing things that you don't do really well, because the more times you do it, you're going to start doing that better and better. And then to grow, you need to go find something else where you're in over your head. once again, you know, you are your network. So one of my tips here though, would be 
And this gets so easy to happen on the internet, but avoid negative relationships and interactions. This includes negative interactions with the internet and social media, right? Seek out comments and conversations that you like. I think a lot of times we key in on the thing, on the stupid things people say or the things we disagree with, and we give time and effort to challenging people and challenging their ideas on LinkedIn. And, and what is the point of that when at the same time you could be using that same amount of energy, that same amount of time to build a relationship, to give someone a compliment and seek out the ideas that you think are good instead, right? I mean, one of the tips my therapist told me, one of the things that I, that I used from early on when I was when I was in a really bad place was, um, and I used to do a lot of trolling on the internet. I used to get into tons of flame wars and arguments and, you know, I, I'm still not immune to it, but whenever I'm feeling really negative or really bad, what I would do is I would go, and it was, it was Instagram at the time I was using, I would go there and I would like every single picture I liked that I came across. I wouldn't be passive or anything. I wouldn't write negative comments. Anything that annoyed me I didn't like, I just scrolled past and I just focused in on all the stuff I liked. And at first, it, it, it seemed almost superficial and kind of fake and kind of stupid, but it really rewires your brain. We're, we're like, our brains mm-hmm. are like computers and we can completely program the input and the output, do them through repetitive behavior. And we can choose the type of behavior we can do. This is something we can control. You can definitely control it. I, I get up, I walk around, I count to 10 really slowly, sit down, because I know that feeling's going to pass. I know it's going to pass. And, and just like you on, on the, the Instagram and going in and liking things, I scroll through my phone and find somebody to have a positive conversation with. And I just call them or text them, uh, people that are in my network, my core group of people. And that's, that's how I battle it because, yeah, I mean, you do not want to waste time. Time is your most precious resources. Don't waste it on things that don't matter, uh, trolling, flame arguments. It's it's better just to ignore it. I mean, so little of of – you know, we absorb so little of what's out there. Like our little world is is so limited uh, that, that limiting it a little bit more with negative energies or, or negative conversations isn't going to hurt you at all. It's just going to help you out. Yeah, you can't build through destruction and negative relationships destroy things. You're, and, and you're going to attract negative energy. You're going to attract negative people. You're going to attract people who like the drama, who like to see mm-hmm. that kind of thing happen. If you want to build a network... Fine, but I, I don't agree doing it on, uh, on a professional network, especially something like LinkedIn. How many times have you and I like screenshotted a post on LinkedIn and sent it to another and it's like, wow, someone got fired? Because I mean, th- th- sometimes yes. people will. They'll, they'll leave a job, they'll be let go for whatever reason, then they'll post some sort of screed for all the world to see on LinkedIn. And it doesn't make them look better and it doesn't make their employer look worse. It just, the, the cause and effect is it just makes them seem kind of bitter. And to me, the, the most valuable and crucial time is after you lose a job because you're trying to attract someone else to hire you. Why would you want to come across that way? Do you think that's going to help your prospect with getting, with getting hired or do you think it's going to hurt it? Well, it's going to hurt it because everything is now public now, especially on, on social media. And, you know, all of those things, if you don't, you know, feelings and emotions, fear and anxiety, if you don't think about them, do they exist? Do they exist if you don't give them a, a shred of, of time or energy or thought? Uh, I, that's a question for you, Jenner. Do they even exist at that point? Well, how many times is do we do we make our own negative groundswell, right? We, we create that mm-hmm. tornado by, by thinking and thinking and thinking. And then if you bring even more energy in there, you bring a negative energy from your network, you can create this groundswell. And then you can, you can find yourself destroying tons of relationships, opportunities, all of those kind of things. Uh, Chris Jolly says it hinders their ability to find new employment. I do not understand their tactic. I know. And that's the way it comes across, I think, mm-hmm. to people who are in a healthy place who are – 
could potentially either be like, I want to give him some business or I want to work with him. But if you're that willing to lash out because a business relationship didn't work out for you, I don't know if people want to get in relationships with you. And if you've done this before, that that's fine. It's a new day, right? It's a new day. Just realize what you've done in the past and just move forward. I've done some things before. I sent a nasty email mm-hmm. to a former employer who fired me, how I thought unjustly. But, you know, when I go back uh, and, and I look at that email, uh, it embarrasses me. You know, like, look, they had their own mm-hmm. reasons for doing it. And, and it ended up being a blessing in disguise for me. And if I had just looked at the silver lining and moved forward away from it and not hit send, and I used to drink at that time and not hit send when I was when I was drunk, that there may be some repair left in that relationship. You're exactly right. I mean, uh, have that on record out, especially in social media. That's a liability for for any future employer, any future customer. I, it's seen as a liability because it's right there. It's it's tangible. It's it's physical, and uh, and, and people will think that it's a, a liability. Definitely. Part of being becoming a happier salesperson is eliminating that unnecessary and stressful factors from your life. So remove those toxic relationships as best as you can. Those that you can't remove, you got to compartmentalize. Some people you work with, they're neck, you can't get rid of them. But you, you got to compartmentalize them, identify them for what they are, and then take their power away. Just take the power away. Don't let it get to you. Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, uh, fear, anxiety, all these unhappy feelings are, are fed by thoughts. Aren't, aren't they? I mean, if, if you don't think about them, do they exist? I, I'll ask you that again, Dooner. Do they really exist? So, I mean, and you, you know, you spend all this time in these groundswells of, of anger and, and unhappiness, and it, it, it's all fed by you thinking about it. So if you don't think about it, do they even exist? And here's the other one. Be present, right? And we all heard Michael Jordan talk about that during the last dance, but be where your feet are. This is what they always tell you in therapy, too. Don't harp on what's been done and don't worry too much about what's ahead. Stay in the moment. Stay in the pocket. There's no need to scramble just yet. You find a lot of successful people, and, and whenever, whenever I've had success as well, is that I thoroughly enjoy the process. I love the process. I love the practice. I love coming in and learning every single day. And that works, and that's really being in the present. You know, like like Jordan's saying is like you don't think about, you know, mapping out your future all that detailed. You don't think about the past. You just enjoy the process. You enjoy coming in and putting in the work, and that's where success lies. And for those of you in the comments, too, leave your comments here. How do you manage your stress during the day? How do you stay positive? And I'll tell you why you might want to stay positive and be optimistic. In 2018, there was a study via HRB that showed optimists get this, Kevin, are more likely than pessimists to experience better financial health. Thus, happy people are uniquely positioned to experience greater sales success. There's a gentleman by the name of Martin Seligman. He's a prominent positive psychologist. (laughs) So uh, he has a book, though, called Learn Optimism, How to Change Your Mind in Your Life. He explored why people experience distress after a setback. And uh, what he gleaned from that is, is optimistic people will see setbacks as opportunities and will continue their pursuit. They do not believe in no, or they do not believe that that negative outcome is the final outcome, where positive people, they, they often will. And, and the reason why is when you are, people want to validate their worldview, right? And if you're feeling, you're feeling negative and you're feeling down, it, you need a reason for that. It can't just be a chemical reaction in your brain. It has to be because nobody will give you any business or the world's after you or something's happening. And then you can manifest those things and you do manifest them. You manifest them in your conversations and how you believe in outcomes. Yeah, I mean, uh, you, 
you are your beliefs in, in, in a lot of ways. And as we, as we say a lot of times, especially on this show, the cell doesn't even start until someone says no. So those no's aren't the final answer. Those, those no's are challenges and opportunities to overcome and to, to learn more. And that's the, the, that's the grind of it. You know, that, that's the grind. If you don't enjoy the grind, uh, you know, or the process, then you're going to be pessimistic about that, the outcome. But if you do enjoy that, you're going to be very optimistic and you can still be a realist and still be an optimist. And, and usually that's – I wonder if those people perform better than people who are, you know, optimists for no real sound reason, you know, over-optimistic maybe. Well, it says here, too, that Dr. Martin Seligman, he found that optimistic sales professionals outsell their pessimistic counterparts by 56%. And he also looked at, they looked at 2,000 Americans. They were testing them for optimism, financial health, and attitudes and behaviors around money using scientifically validated measures such as the Life Orientation Test and the Consumer Financial Protection Bureau Wellbeing Scale. They found that 90% of optimists have put money aside for major purchases compared to just 70% of optimists. The study also find that, they, that the stress about that they stress, the optimist stressed about finances, 145 fewer days each year compared to pessimists. They're not, they're not holding themselves down in worry. Yeah, if you're optimist, I, I guess you sell more anyway, so you have more money, so less reason to worry about being in a financial predicament. If you're good at sales, you never should be in a financial predicament because you can always go out and make money. I think one of the things that creates a lot of stress too, and, and I know when I was in sales could create a lot of anxiety was, was poor communication with leaders and management, especially when you're an outside salesperson. You, if you don't really know where you sit, um, how close or how far off you need to be and your number and goals. And if they understand your, your RF, RFP process and your, your, your mix between transactional and, and long-term contract sales and all of that kind of stuff, that can lead to a ton of anxiety, especially if you're having a slow month. So to the managers out there, what I would highly stress is, it's taking your people aside too and really communicate them where they are. You know, are you on the bubble? Where, where do they need to be? Because I guarantee you, your salespeople are always, always, always thinking about that. Even the optimistic ones are still consumed a bit by what their numbers are and where they're at the end of the month. And even more importantly, what the people above them think about what they're doing. Yeah, if you don't know where you are, then then you're lost and you have no control over the final outcome. And that's where fear and anxiety, unhappiness live, is that that lack of control over your destiny. So, uh, you know, if you have proper communication, if everyone knows exactly where they're they're at, then then at that point, the, the individual has the opportunity to exert control over their final destination. And that is a much better position than, um, than being out of control. We came across this really, really good sort of litmus test, right? It was, t- it was some tips from Yelp's top sales rep, this guy, Zen Kakola. In 2016, he was their top rep out of 900 people. And here they are. He said, before you invest your time and energy into a relationship, ask yourself these questions. And, uh, and I-, I think I'm going to start doing this from now on, too, at least mentally. And it's, I am, too. What can I learn from them? What do they talk about most of the time? When they are telling their story, are they the victim? Do they insult or judge others? Are they cruel to animals? And his rule of thumb is if they answer to any of those, if the answer to any of those is yes, then he'll walk away clearing out. Uh, Dream Stealers is one of the best decisions he has ever made. And I have to agree with that. And, and again, I think the older you get, the more important it is to, to, to keep those negative people out of your life because I think you have time to reflect and look back on the damage that your own negativity and theirs can cause you. You're exactly right. I think what is it? You're the sum of, or you, 
what is it, the, the, the five or six people that you surround yourself? Do you spend most of your time with you're an average of that? So if you're hanging around with people who think they're a victim of everything, who aren't taking responsibility for their own actions or control of their lives, uh, that's going to leak into your, your philosophy, how you view the world. And that's not where dreams, you know, success lives. Success lives in um, thinking that you can accomplish anything. Chris Facey of and being DL- driven by other people. Chris Facey, freight broker at DLS, DLS Worldwide, said he heard a quote recently: "Watch your thoughts because they become your words. Words become actions. Actions become habit. Habit becomes character, and character becomes destiny." That's uh, that could also be in like a Lord of the Rings, but that that's a very uh, true one. Jonathan Payne says, "A tool we practice and teach our kids is focused thoughts on what we are grateful for, and increases dopamine and gives us perspective." Yeah, you don't want you want the positive dopamine, you don't want the negative dopamine because you can get it from either source. And doing a lot of trolling, getting that reaction can really fuel you. So be mm-hmm. careful of which reactions you're going out there to get. Richard Garza says, "I like to think that we as salespeople also have a choice of whom we work with. If the relationship is positive." Then cultivate it. If it's toxic, then work on transitioning that time spent to prospecting for a new positive relationship. Uh, I agree. You know, we created a positive relationship with a gentleman by the name of Stan Duncan. You think we should call him up, Kevin? I think we should. I think I think he's going to have a, a really good insight into into our thoughts, right? Because at the core of any action, of the beginning of anything, is your thoughts. Hey, Stan Duncan. I thought it was Stan talking. Hold on, Stan. We got to motivate the people. Five, four, three, two, one, zero. All engine running. Liftoff. We have a liftoff. Boom. All right, Stan. Are you inspired now? I am inspired. You guys are awesome. That's pretty funny. <laughs> hey, by the way, there isn't there a shuttle launch today? Isn't SpaceX shooting up? We were. Uh, I interviewed one of the guys from NASA and their PR team a while ago. Had invited us to that, and then COVID hit, so we were almost there. We're going to do a broadcast from from NASA, but we'll have. To, I guess we'll have to wait until um, regulations are cleared and stuff. But that that's going to be that's going to be fun. That's what I'm optimistic and positive about, Kevin. That's a good thing to be optimistic and positive about. Stan, tell us a little bit about yourself, my man. Well, uh, every day that I wake up, not bad is a gift. <laughs> so, you know, what you guys, what, you, what y'all are sharing today uh, resonates with me, and I'm learning more, quite frankly, than I think I'll share with any, anyone at um, put that coffee down. But I'm thrilled to be here. Stan, you, I, we've talked before about how these things are, are learned habits and learned behavior, and and most of us are guilty of of. Being negative at times, creating negative relationships, being destructive, all of those kind of things. What was a, a turning point for you that made you shift your perspective on on life and on sales and just in, in how you conduct yourself? That's a good question. Um, so I run out of options. Um, I think for me, uh, I trained as a pastor, by the way. I had a conversation with Kevin earlier where we recognized that we were both shovel bums. We are both archaeologists. Prior to that, I studied to be a pastor. And um, for a lot of reasons, it just didn't work for me. Uh, so I've always been on this course to answer uh, a question like, what is this? what's the point of all this? Um, and then, you know, became the full catastrophe. I uh, got married and got a mortgage and kids and got divorced and you know, all of it, the, the full catastrophe. 
And I came to a point where um, I thought, you know, if, if it's not this, what am I going to do? And this was meditation. And um, while I was studying to be a pastor, I had um, been into Buddhism and um, thought, well, that's pretty cool. That kind of describes me, but um, at the time, I didn't have any access to anything that would uh, provide me any kind of training. Well, I was in Chattanooga at the Mindfulness um, the Center for Mindful Living. They offered a class called Mindfulness-Based Stress Reduction. I was a VP for a tech company there, a tech startup, lots of stress, and uh, took the course. I think it was like $300 or something, so I had a little bit of investment in it, so that forced me to do it. And from that um, course, uh, Kevin and Tim, that was about seven years ago, um, it's changed my life. Wow. Wow, man, that's that's a big sea change. Kevin, you've described yourself as a late bloomer, too, and I imagine some of that late blooming had to do with the, with the mental shift for you. I mentioned earlier that I think the biggest moment for me was um, – just just going and getting treatment for uh, depression and alcoholism, going going into a, a dual diagnosis program for, for a number of days and, and having that taken care of and, and creating some skills and some habits. What was a big sea change for you, Kevin? For me? Yeah. I, I think I was uh, like Stan a little bit, you know, just, just out of options. This is kind of what happens when you start your life as an archaeologist or your adulthood as an, as an archaeologist. But, you know, I was just uh, really going nowhere. And <laughs> I was, I was you know, I, I just didn't like my career. I didn't like uh, a lot of things. And I decided to take a leap into to entrepreneurship. I, I got obsessed with an idea. And Stan and I had a, a long conversation last week. And, and you know, kind of the, the path he took is, is different. Uh, methods maybe or different philosophies but it's it's kind of the, the same journey in a lot of ways is taking control of your life and and really just just going out there and learning these lessons learning how to deal with fear and anxiety learning how to just go out and and really attack life and make it make it your own so guys we there's, did there's a, many uh, ways to do that and I, I like. Well, I mean, I like the analogy of a, an archaeologist, right? You're always you're always digging for answers. <laughs> uh, I guess so. We did a survey, right? And one of well, the first question on there is, how do you disconnect from work and the fear and anxiety of your sales job? The top answer we referenced it earlier, Kevin, was exercise was number one with a little over fifty percent. And then uh, there's a little bit of each, right? You had peers at forty percent reading. Some people just like to pick up a book. Self medication and medication were tied. One fifth of us are taking either medication or self medicating or some combination of both. Uh, therapy was was actually a smaller one. That's kind of sad to see. And uh, other was thirty percent. I'm not exactly sure what the other was. I did ask Andrew. I'm not sure if he got those back to me, but I was curious what those others would be. Maybe we can post some of those when uh, when we post this live. If there was any good ones. But uh, for you, Stan, yes. what, what which one's a big one here? What choice did you pick? Well, I'm in my seventh year of meditation, Tim. Uh, I sit an hour a day every morning uh, with uh, my thoughts. And, um, you know, it's Pascal that said all of humanity's problems stem from man's inability to sit quietly in a room alone. And that's certainly been the case for me. And as, as I've uh, developed a formal meditation practice, um, you know, I've been able to, uh, to, to Kevin's point, you know, um, what's real here? I mean, what's really going on in my head and what, what is really, has really fascinating to me as I've 
um, sat quietly and watched my mind and just realized how much stuff is going up in there, right? Where does all this stuff come from? And, and prior to meditation, I, I really didn't pay any attention to any of it. So, so you know, being able to watch the mind and and ask yourself, okay, here comes a thought. And I think Kevin and I used a, um, a description. If you, you've got lanes running up and down in your head, right? And they're full, they're full truckloads. They're memories, thoughts, feelings, you know, aggression, hatred, love, desire. And they're just running up and down the road. You can watch them without actually getting into the cab and driving it over the cliff. And, and, you know, that's kind of what mindfulness meditation is, is being able to watch, watch your thoughts without uh, getting attached to them. And, and by doing so, it really uh, relinquishes the power of those thoughts in, in, your daily, in your daily life. I mean, isn't that humor a lot? Are those insane thoughts? You're like, wow, that is an absolutely crazy asinine thought that is a complete ca- contrast to what you do in life. There's there's irony to it. And th- th- those can become thoughts and actions, but usually in the, the form of jokes. But I like what you're saying about how all these thoughts run in in parallel you know you you you, but you have to it's like choose your own adventure you got to pick a page to go to on on those and hopefully you pick the right one well you do you have to uh, allow yourself to create a uh, an intention right it's what we think we become and and you've repeated that over and over today and so have your listeners you know what captures our attention controls our life um, neurons that fire together wire together so um, my practice is really compassion and kindness and gratitude and, and the repetitiveness of that practice then allows me to become that, you know, and, and it's not that it, it's um, sometimes that easy, but it's the repetition of, um, you know, and the potential of helping others, including yourself in meaningful ways, both big and small. And, and to me, that's a path toward freedom. Now, now, Kevin, so there's a comment right here, and I want to get your thoughts on this. So Amanda Miller, and Stan, yours too, Amanda Miller says, mindfulness is a terrific practice, acknowledging your thoughts without judging yourself for having them. And and I like that. And I say that as someone who went to Catholic school as as a kid. And that's a place, that's an institution where you're often learned to to be ashamed of your thoughts and to uh, to to not feel them. But the problem is you still are. And then what? And to me, that's not the strongest skill to build. So how have, how do you guys manage that? And, and maybe with the element of spirituality as well, how do you, how do you reconcile your own thoughts? I, th- I think, you know, uh, n- number one, we are what we think about. And Stan told me something on our call last week that, uh, that, that I, I've been thinking about ever since is emotions are real, but not necessarily true. And emotions are real, but not true. I don't know which one it is. It could, it could be both, for all I know. Uh, but your emotions are, are real, but it doesn't mean they're true. So sometimes you should just, I, I think, probably ignore ignore the, uh, the the trueness of that because we're we all have con- cognitive biases, and we have to to kind of go root those out. Uh, but you are what you think about, and if you think about positive thoughts, you're going to be positive. If you think about negative thoughts, you're going to be negative, and that has so much control over your performance and execution of just daily life. Let's not even think about sales on that, just your daily life, that uh, the, the more you think about the positivity and, and, and good things, the better life you're going to have. And, and all you have to do is 
ignore or, 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 or assess those negative thoughts and, and, and somehow disconnect from those. And I think that's what, what Stan's talking about as well. Yeah, Stan, what, how about you? And how about you and those negative thoughts sort of come into your lane? And especially if you've had some, maybe a religious upbringing where you're, thought, where you're told to be ashamed of those kind of thoughts, or maybe you have parental upbringing or some sort of authority upbringing that's, or societal upbringing telling you to be ashamed of those thoughts. How do you reconcile that? Well, it's all of those, by the way. Um, and as far as negative thoughts, uh, part of a mindfulness practice is noting them. And um, it's, uh, uh, you know, the opportunity to say, you know, hey, I'm, I'm thinking whatever that thought may be. I'm, I'm thinking um, anger or, or, you know, I'm, I'm noting resentment or um, you know, whatever that thought may be. Uh, so, and that noting aspect really diminishes some of the stickiness that that Kevin's talking about, where you don't, you know, get all attached and caught up uh, with those thoughts. There's a, a, a Tibetan word called shimpa that it describes a hook, and and you know you can bite that hook, and and you're off you go with those thoughts. Um, so noting is one um, method of diminishing the impact. Of, of, of negative thoughts. And the other thing that I do, you talked earlier, Tim, about getting up first thing you think about in the morning. I tell myself, I put my uh, hands over my heart and say, Stan, I love you. Um, I love you and I care about you and I care about what happens to you today. Um, you know, for, for a man to do that, it was it's been a learning process for me to actually experience love and compassion for myself. That's the other aspect of meditation practice. I've been a practice called Metta, loving kindness meditation, where I wish kindness for myself and, and all other sentient, sentient beings. And I practice that again, repetitious, uh, uh, repetitively to, um, to ingrain in, in my brain. So, so those are two practices that um, that I do tend to kind of diminish the self-judgment. And by the way, when the um, Dalai Lama first came to the West to train um, Western uh, teachers in the Dharma, uh, they shared with um, the Dalai Lama, you know, how do we deal with self-loathing and self-judgment? And, and he didn't understand what they were talking about because it was not necessarily part of Tibetan culture. Wow. So, you know, I think part, part of Western culture, I mean, if you think about a consumer culture is we're never good enough, right? Yeah. And, and we, get, we, mm-hmm. just, we just get beat up with it every day. I mean, that, that's marketing, right? I mean, marketing is designed to make you feel like you do not have something. It's designed to, to build an emotion inside of you. And a lot of times that emotion is you lacking something. If you, only you had this, then you would be, you know, that Instagram superstar. Then you'd be jet set. Well, until you buy the next thing. Chris Jolly said, that is powerful. Stan Duncan and Thomas Smiley Jr. said, I like this practice. Uh, let's move on to the next question. And I, I love what you said there, Stan. I think you covered it as well as we could. The next one was, and we're going to start getting into some of these stress factors. And this one was, how would you describe your current work-life balance in your job? And the questions on here were not at all defined, somewhat undefined, somewhat defined, very defined, and not sure. And most of you, a lot of the Glen Garys in our group, 40% said that it was just somewhat defined, uh, then another 20% undefined, and then not at all defined. So I would say the majority of people say that their work-life balance is in some regard at least lacking, and they're really not sure when the day begins and ends. And that can 
play a powerful, stressful thing. How many times do you go out and start feeling guilty because you're running an errand or something and, and you don't know really what the boundaries are? That, that, can, that can weigh on you heavily and it's such a simple thing. Like, right, Kevin, you just went to Publix or Walgreens or maybe you had to go to the DMV, mm-hmm. but you the don't DMV. know. How do you take time for yourself when you're working all the time in an always connected world? I, you know, I don't really have much of a work-life balance. It all kind of melds into one, which is something that I, I don't really mind. So it doesn't stress me out that much. You know, I mean, you had a day off yesterday, Tuner, and I, I kept I, I kept bothering you, you know, on Slack <laughs> while you're standing in line in DMV. Uh, but, but sometimes, you know, sometimes I do worry about what I'm missing. And I, that's something that I really need to work on is, is, is letting go uh, of part of that. And knowing that, you know, I was reading, you know, wherever you go, there you are, that, that Stan uh, sent to us, he sent both of us a copy of this, is, is, is sometimes just letting go that, that, you know, existence will keep continuing whether we're partaking in it or, or not. So having that, that humbleness to, to, to recognize that and, and live with it and, and disconnect that way. Stan, how do you define it? How do you define your, your boundaries at work? Well, I'm kind of like Kevin uh, in that I will um, just um, be aware that, oh, right now I'm um, doing a task that's associated with work. Okay, and then I complete that task. And then if I have to um, run an errand or whatever, which, you know, by the way, working at home makes it really hard, which I'm sure everybody's experiencing. But um, it's... Um, being aware of the, that gnawing uh, voice inside of your head that's judging you for doing what you're doing. So I went, what is that? You know? Yes. Oh, the judgment. Mm-hmm. Right? And, and, I, and you know it and, and let it go. And that, that turns into stress. I mean, we had uh, what, and, and well, actually, to put a period on that, I, I echo what you guys are saying too. I'm kind of on my career path now. I'm doing what I love. So the, when I was in jobs I didn't like as much, that work-life ba- balance became a much bigger issue. But since I, I really feel like I am building something and working hard at it, then uh, those boundaries uh, are intentionally kind of ripped apart, you know, but I'm allowing that to happen. Uh, what is your stress level at work, though? So, and I'm sure this is true for a lot of Americans, certainly true for our group. I don't think it's exclusive to here. 60% said somewhat high. 20% said very high. Uh, so that's 80%, 80% of the people, right? And then the, the very low... And the somewhat low comprised only about 17% total. So a lot of you guys are very, very stressed out. And sales is a stressful job. Stan, if you had to give one piece of advice on how to be less stressed out, though, as a salesperson or just in general about work, what would it be? You're asking me, Tim? Yes. Um, well, I, exercise, obviously, is uh, critical. Um, and I would look at other healthy behaviors. Uh, look at your diet, you know, uh, look at your alcohol uh, consumption or any other substance, you know, how is that affecting you emotionally? Um, if you're part of a faith-based organization, um, I mean, there's a myriad of things that I think you can do to help offset some of that stress. It's inherent in the role. But to your point, um, you know, we're social creatures and having people that you can trust and, and actually share your own vulnerabilities with um, really helps. I, by the way, in, you know, meditation, I would include in that, because I describe meditation as becoming friends with yourself. Um, you know, you're, you're, you become your own therapist. So, so that certainly helped me. But, but I don't think there's just one uh, method or means to um, um, 
deal with stress other than recognize that you have it and finding um, positive uh, methods and means to reduce it, whatever that is. Kevin, Thomas Smiley Jr. says, I think that if you're stressing about balance, you do not love what you are doing. It's an indication to look elsewhere. Would, would you agree with that? Do you think it's a, it's a warning sign if I, you're... Oh, uh, yeah, 100%. 100%. And, and the way to, to reduce stress, you know, and, and what Stan listed out are, are, are perfect examples of that. Uh, another present, or, uh, an, another aspect of that, and, and this is how I deal with it, is to be present. You know, find something where you can be present, that you love the process. I'll go back to that. Love the process. You love the grind the stress just completely goes away. If you're doing something you don't like, if you're in an environment that you don't like, uh, then, then, you know, do what Stan just listed out, uh, for, for alternative methods. But until you find something that, that you really love doing and really, really like and spend eight, 10 hours a day doing it, uh, you're, you're going to treat the symptoms and not the, the core uh, of your stress. And that's going to be your stress. Kenneth Carter III says, uh, sitting in a cell alone allowed me to identify my true weaknesses without distractions. Wow, we got to hear more about that sometime. He definitely has to yes. come on the show. I want to I hear about that because you hear a lot, too, about prison solitary and, and the, the psychological effects. And But that almost sounds like there was he, he found a benefit in it, which is powerful stuff in and of itself. That could be an entire episode. We have a few more here. We got, we got, uh, we're running short on time, so let's get through them. How does your sales performance align with happiness in life? Uh, 50% said some, and a lot was... Uh, 35, so about 85 to 90%. And, you know, that's kind of an obvious one. There's the, the, the 5% who said none or very little. They probably have a foot out the door. You know, those are the people I like competing against because they, uh, you know, they're, they're not going to beat you in the race. And they're not going to beat you at, the, uh, at, at how many times you swing the axe. Um, during the process, how much knowledge or emphasis do you place on a buyer's psychological biases, right? And uh, 50% was some, but let's key in on... Yes. Why do you think your prospects and customers buy from you? So we had a few here, which was price, feature benefits, emotion, timing, or other. Price was number one at 25%. Features and benefits at 20%. Emotion at 20%. Timing at 15%. And other at 20%. Which one of those stuck out to to you, Stan? Well, um, that price and features and benefits are still the um, selling point uh, as far as the, from the seller's perspective that why a buyer made that. And I get that to a point. It depends on the type of sale as well. But your research shows that, that we clearly make buying decisions based on feelings and emotions. And a lot of it's done without us even thinking about it. And there's a professor at uh, Southern Cal that, uh, in neuroscience, and he, he makes a, a pretty strong argument that emotion is a necessary ingredient in almost all of our decisions. So um, you know, for if potential customers uh, don't emotionally connect to a product or service in some capacity, they're, they're probably not going to buy from you. And then they use logic to justify the, the, their uh, uh, their conclusion. So, you know, the, the role that bias and uh, the subconscious has in a sales transaction is uh, significant. I, I think it's one of the, the most undervalued uh, reasons. People don't value the emotional response uh, quite enough. Marketing people probably do. Uh, but it's a decision that we make in our reptilian mind based on instinct and emotion and, and feelings. And then, as, as Stan said, 
we go back over and, and, and try to logically or rationally justify why we just did something. And it's probably the reason why people make stupid buying choices. Uh, quite quite often, and and people do just stupid things because it's this essential uh, feeling, emotion, decision that you try to go back and and logically try to piece together. And sometimes you can do it, and and oftentimes you just can't. I mean, look no further than than Facebook or Twitter or the the internet, where people create information bubbles, right? They create information mm-hmm. echo chambers because people like to have their feelings validated, their worldviews validated, and they like that a lot more than having it challenged. You know, it takes a certain type of person who really, really likes to really, really likes to have what what they think put on the pike and 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 put to the test. I personally do like doing that because I, but I came from the world of debate where you had to take the affirmative and the negative. So I'm, whenever I see something, I'm like, yeah, that's a good of it, but this is the bad side of it. But a lot of times the internet, you just get that, you get that mono feeling like that, 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 that just one, it's one way and this is the way and, and I need to feel validated. But uh, that's part of the human condition. Stan Duncan, we, um, we got to give a book away and get to some shout outs here, but how do people reach out and learn more? I know that they should absolutely follow you on LinkedIn, Stan Duncan. Stan? Stan, can you hear me? Yeah, how do people reach out and learn more? Yeah. Oh, well, um, you can reach me at Tallgrass Freight. You know, Tallgrass is a, a prestige freight broker agency headquartered in Kansas City, and my role is to recruit brokers looking to transition their book from legacy to ownership, become an entrepreneur. We have remote offices coast to coast and brick and mortar spaces in Arizona, Florida. We're opening up an office in Chattanooga in the next couple of days. And if you're curious, you'd like to reach me or speak to another recruiter, go to tallgrassstraight.com slash become an agent. Thank you very much, Stan. We really appreciate it. Oh, hey, Stan, before we let you go, hold on. We we, we forgot to do one thing. We usually do this at the beginning. We're going to do it at the end. Give us your elevator pitch to send you out, okay? Well, I just did. All right. Well, you're going to do it one more time. (laughs) Shout it out. I work for Grass Freight uh, out of Kansas City. We're a prestige freight broker agency, <laughs> and I, I recruit brokers uh, looking to transition their book from a legacy to an entrepreneur. Nice. Boom. Thank you very much for joining us today, Stan. Tell yourself you. you love yourself tomorrow, You're man. Awesome. We appreciate it. Good stuff, man. Chandler Manigan by Maggot. Chandler Magan, who's going, he moves, he's like heavy, he moved like a narco sub and all this stuff. He's going to be on What the Truck on Friday, but he put in the comments that all the most powerful men and women leaders have at least exercised and eating well as part of their ingredients to excess. Yeah, you got to take care of the temple, mm-hmm. man. Uh, you do. Lisa Petty said for her, just time, right? And as you start to get older, you start to have kids, time becomes one of the most valuable resources you have. She hired an assistant. It's really helped out her stress level. Chris Jolly, great information. Loved hearing Stan talk. Nick Dangles is watching this with his two-year-old. I apologize to your two-year-old. Uh, I hope they enjoy it, uh, though. <laughs> uh, oh, last one. This is our legacy question we've been asking. Has it changed that much? This is about if you are concerned you may lose your job due to a lack of sales or economic recession. This week, it came in. 23% said they do not no 50 percent said no and what is that 28 percent said yes so this is kind of shifting back and forth a little bit but no major swings um no major swings in the meter right kevin no uh, it's pretty steady i, I think uh, everyone's uh, making it through the the pandemic and the crisis and and getting more comfortable and, and more confident as we go along all right you know what what book are we what book are we drawing for right now 
We're drawing for Fanatical Prospecting by, by Jeb Blount. I don't have a copy of a, just an audible version, but I'll send you a hard copy of that. Uh, it's all about how to prospect, prospect, prospect. And if you do that well, you will control your own destiny. And the winner is number 46. And number 46 would be Janet Turner. Janet Turner, you are the winner of this week's book. Got, folks, if you want to win a book, all you got to do is leave a comment in the comment section and say, hey, I want to be on this book list. If you've already done it before, you're already on our list. Don't worry about it. Speaking of lists, we also have that Glenn Gary's list, right? It's Glenn Gary's lead mm-hmm. list. It's in the show notes. It's in the article that we'll post on FreightWaves.com. Put your LinkedIn on there, your name, your company. You connect with all the different salespeople here, especially on this mental health one. If you need, you know, you need to talk about how, I know this isn't the easiest public conversation to have. Also, feel free to message my, myself or Kevin if you want to talk about substance abuse or anything, too. I can just share some of my insights uh, offline yep. that way with you guys as well. What's the book this week? Kevin? It is uh, what, what Stan Duncan sent both of us. It's wherever you wait, wherever you go, there you are. And it's uh-huh. about being in the present, living in the present. Uh, a lot about what Stan talked about. I've read uh, probably three quarters of it now. And it, it's really good advice. Whether you want to meditate or not, it's really good advice on, on labeling your feelings, uh, your emotions, and and if you want to be in control of, of your thought process, it's a great book to, to read. Thomas Smiley Jr. says, I always want to be on the book list. You are my man. And uh, Kenneth Carter III's on there. I believe you are on there as well. KC3. Stephen Elliott says, I agree. Chris Jolly, we should encourage Stan Duncan to do to do a podcast. I'd subscribe for sure, sir. Maybe he can come on the world's largest freight casting network in the world. Freightcast. Subscribe to Freightcast. Get every single Freightways podcast all in one convenient place. Uh, Trey Griggs, by the way, speaking of being where your feet are, speaking about Last Dance, we are going to talk about sales lessons from the Last Dance with Trey Griggs, uh, Global Sales Director at HubTech. They're our sponsor next month. He's going to join us. He's uh, he's very... I love that he's passionate about this documentary. And I love when guests are passionate about a topic. And I think, Kevin, you and I try to identify the people who mm-hmm. care the most about whatever individual topic we'll have because that's that positivity. They're, they're going to bring that to it. They're going to come prepared, right? They're going to be ready to take those shots on the court. Yeah, you miss every shot that you you don't take, right? Nick Dangles, that's, he said, that's a philosophy. Nick Dangles wants to be on the book list. You are my man, uh, Nick. He also says, I think work life balance conversations often put too much emphasis on creating a separation between the two. For me, it's really more finding ways for them to coexist. I I highly agree, and I think that that's something that a skill set we've all had to d- develop on the fly, especially those of us with children. He mentioned a two year old. I mentioned I have that three and five year old. A lot of you in similar situations with. With kids of all different ages running around, but even without kids of all different ages, there's plenty of different different distractions and all of those kind of things. Where uh, I don't know, Kevin, like this Freightway is very consuming job. You and I are are often uh, <laughs> often discussing work at all hours of the night. Yes. Uh, let's see. We got one minute. One minute out. Yes. So follow Kevin Hill at Kevin Hill uh, on LinkedIn. You can follow me on on LinkedIn at Timothy Dooner. That's D O N E R. Or on the Twitter at Timothy Dooner. Again, D O N E R. Follow Freightway. Subscribe to our stuff. You get notifications whenever these shows go live. Find this show podcast players everywhere. Look up Put That Coffee Down or subscribe to Freightcast. You get every single Freightways podcast all in one convenient place. Kevin, closing thoughts. You know what? Connect with us. Connect with us on LinkedIn. We're serial connectors. Uh, please join our network. And, you know, we talk about positivity. We talk about cells. We talk about how to how to, to make life your own. Boom! We just blew it up. We just blew this topic up. Continue the conversation with us offline. God bless. We love you guys. Take care. Stay positive and be where those feet are. Hit the music, guys. Get us home.
Oh, and Kevin, how could we forget before we get out of here? Happy birthday, Emily Zink. Happy birthday to you. Here's a cowbell for you. Happy birthday, Emily Zink. Happy birthday to you. See you next week.